God's word and his people. You look at culture today and a lot of the things that culture is embracing and and embodying is counter to what God teaches us. You look at the LGBT community and all of that. You look at pro-choice and all of that. All of these things that are very clearly and deliberately against the word of God. But the reality is this is not new to God's people. You read all throughout the Bible and you see endless examples of the world coming against the word of God and the people of God. But the question is, why has it always been that way? And it's really not as difficult as an answer as sometimes we like to make it. But the reality is the reason why it is that way is because the day that you became a Christian, you put a target on your back by the enemy. The day that we gave our life to Jesus Christ, we became an enemy of our adversary, the devil. And he understands something, that God's people can accomplish things through the power of God, and that his word is powerful. And like the many examples throughout Scripture where we see the attack on God's people, where we see the attack on God's word and his teachings, we too see that even to this day. You look at uh, Daniel as an example where the, it, we even went as high as the king of a country making new laws to make be, being a man of God, a man of prayer, illegal. You look at Daniel and, and he said, you can no longer pray to anybody except for me. I'm the king. I'm the biggest, baddest dude on planet earth. And you can't pray to this God. You got to pray to me. And if you do, we'll throw you in the lion's den. You all know the story, right? Even down to a law of the land that prohibited them from serving God. And today is no different as we see new laws coming into place and different things that are contrary to our faith. And you look at uh, different things in the world like uh, uh, the, the mainstream media and even our peers at work. There's a lot of things that like to work against us as Christians. You look at media today. You can't flip through the radio stations without getting your mind all twisted by some of the music that plays today. I, I remember... Uh, back in the day, you know, I used to listen to a lot more even country music. I used to say, oh, country music is the only wholesome genre out there. And then now I hear most of the country music. I'm like, there ain't nothing wholesome going on there. You know, it's like, it's craziness. And social media, I mean, don't even get me started. It's social media. It's all about me, myself, and I. How many followers and likes can I get attention on myself? Or uh, that person that you follow and worship, that everything they say you do is an attack on God's people. We can deal with these things with our friends, with our family, with authorities, whether it be anywhere down from a park ranger when we're just trying to have an outreach to your boss at work to even the, the cops themselves. You see, these attacks that we face are against God and God's people, but we also need to understand where they come from. Because the Bible tells us that our war is not against the people, it's against the spiritual forces of hell. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Nowhere in that text does it say anything about that neighbor who's constantly complaining about your grass getting too tall. Or that coworker who's always stabbing you in the... No, it talks about the spiritual forces that influence these people. 
So if hell is attacking, what is our response? We see this in Ephesians 6, just a few verses later, 16 and 17, which says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is your sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible. We survive attacks from hell by understanding how to use our sword. Jesus is a perfect example of this. He understood scriptures, and he also understood how the enemy was going to try to twist them against him. You look at Jesus fasting in the desert for 40 days, and what does the devil do? He comes to him, he tries to tempt him to break his fast, to do this, to take power. And what does he try to use against Jesus? Scripture. He tries to use the word of God against Jesus, and Jesus says, Nah, Satan, you got it all twisted. It might say that, but that ain't what it means. Because here's what the Word of God actually says. Listen, you want to know who knows the Bible better than you? Satan. It's the reality. Our enemy knows how to use our weapon better than we do, so we better know how to use it. Otherwise, it will be used against us. So we must use the word of God in our favor to protect us from these assaults. When the enemy tells you one thing, you can say, no, the word of God says something different about my life. The word of God says something different about who Jesus is. The word of God says something different about who I am living for Jesus. Because the enemy will come and he will take these words, he will twist them in your mind, and he will use them to turn you against God. Look at the world today. How could God be so loving when Sodom and Gomorrah? How could this and that and all the people that drowned in Noah's, they love to talk about all this stuff that they know nothing about. But Christians who know even less about it fall for those, pl- those, those ploys. We must know the word of God and we must believe it to be true. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. Where are the words of Christ? Right here. Where is your faith? Are you investing time in the Word of God? And once our faith and our salvation is established in the Word of God, we can use the Word to protect ourselves against these attacks. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says, Then when... uh, Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. The word of God is a never-drying well of God's wisdom, knowledge, and direction. Three things mentioned in that passage right there. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, the paths that we walk in our life with God. So let's look at knowledge. Psalm 119 verse 30 tells us, The unfolding of your words, the word of God, gives light, and it imparts understanding to the simple. Praise God for that, because I feel pretty simple sometimes. 
to, to put it in, in layman's term, he's basically saying, even if you feel like you're stupid, the Word of God can help you. Many times we get intimidated by the things that are in the Bible and we think, man, I could never be smart enough to get this. I could never be until I struggle to read nursery rhymes. I can't read this, you know, and it's like, how do I ever get this? But listen, the Bible says that even the simple people can get something from this. The unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Guess what? That means if you think you're simple and maybe you are. It imparts understanding to your mind. You can get smarter. Think about that. I know, it's crazy, right? All those years in school, you don't feel like it, but the Word of God can do it. But what good is knowledge without wisdom? James chapter 3, verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And when we get the knowledge and the wisdom that comes from the Bible, then naturally what comes next for us is direction. God's Word gives us direction in our life. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, many times we in modern times read a text like this and we don't really think a whole lot about it because some, some of us, all of us at least once have probably done this. You're driving at night. You pull out of the parking lot of, the, of you know, Walmart, wherever you're at, and you're driving down the road, and, and you're like, man, it's kind of dark, but you can still see okay because you got the street lights and everything. You go, oh, dang, my headlights aren't on. But you can still kind of see okay, right? We've all done it at least once. Maybe not nowadays because they got the fancy lights that turn on by themselves, but... Back when I first started learning how to drive, you didn't have that. And then if you left them on, your car battery died. You see, we don't quite get a passage like this because even without our headlights, the light to our path, we still have lights all around us. We live in a lit generation. Not that kind of lit. Although, I mean... But you think about this text and think about the era as written in. Electricity doesn't exist yet. Electricity didn't exist. You couldn't just flick on a flashlight. You didn't have headlights where you were going. So when they say your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, what they would actually do back then is if they were walking on a journey at night, is they would take these lamps and they would strap them to their legs so that they could see where their legs were. Because if they couldn't see where their feet were, they didn't know what they were stepping on or in, whether it be holes or traps or, or animals or snakes that were going to jump up and bite them. So in other words, the psalmist is saying, your word shows me where I where I'm, am today and where I'm going tomorrow. Your word shows me where, what I'm stepping in right now. Some of y'all feel like you're stepping in something. Your word shows me what I'm in today, and it's showing me the path for tomorrow because without light back then at night you didn't see anything y'all ever been out in the middle of nowhere like literally the middle of nowhere with the lights off you don't see you can't yeah you can't go like this you can't even see your own hand it's dark and that's what it would be like without these lamps that these people uh, would strap to their feet and they would hold their lantern like this because it was crucial to know where you're going You 
You see, the Bible goes far beyond just a book of clever quotes and cool stories and, and interesting knowledge. No matter how many times you read this, and you should be continually reading it, there's always something new that you can search out and learn. There's always going to be more knowledge and wisdom that God can show you. The Bible is a never-drying well of God's love. 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses. That's a lot. By the time you finish it, you need to start it over again. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 tells us something very interesting about the Word of God. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now we know that the word is referring to Jesus Christ. And he's making the point that, listen, some of y'all think Jesus was born and then died and then that was it. No, he's been there and he's always been there and he's always going to be there. He was there at the beginning. He created it all and he's here with us today. So what do we do to make the Bible work in our lives? How do we make it more than just a book? How do we make it more than just thin pages that crinkle with words printed on them? Because to many people in the world, that's all it is. Even to people in the church, that's all it is. There's three things we must focus on when we read the Word of God. We need to do more than just read it. We need to study it. We need to meditate on it, and we need to pray and ask God to help us. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is studying the Word of God. Studying the Word of God brings us encouragement. It brings us endurance. It teaches us. It reproofs us. That means makes us a better person, a better man or a better woman. It corrects us and trains us in righteousness. But we will not get those things from it if we do not study it. And then we meditate on the Word of God. And some, you know, usually when you say meditate, you think of somebody sitting, you know, crisscross applesauce going, oh, that's not what we're talking about. Joshua 1 8 says, The book, uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and there you will have good success. Psalm 119, verses 15 through 16. says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. To meditate on something literally means to just think about it constantly. Try to understand it. Try to gain a better, wrap your mind around it. To, to take something that your mind doesn't get and try to make sense out of it. I will meditate on your word day and night. That's taking a scripture 
and writing it down on your hand or putting it down on your phone and, and reading it 10 times an hour and thinking, man, what does God have there? What is God trying to teach me? You ever read something in the Bible and go, huh, I wonder what that means. I wonder how that applies to my life. Oh, well, and then you keep going. Don't do that. Meditate on it. Write it down. Highlight it. Study it. Say, God, what, what do you want to show me through this passage? Which goes to the next element of reading the Bible, which is prayer. Prayer is what can make reading the Bible a two-way conversation. We can speak to God as we read his word. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6. It says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Think about that. It says, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That's all of us. We all lack wisdom at some point or another. We all need God's help. And he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For the person must suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That comes with a piece of advice and a warning. He's saying, ask God and believe that he will help you. Ask God because he says that if you ask for wisdom, I will give it to you. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. If we want to better understand what the word of God is saying, we can just pray, God, pray and ask God to help us understand. It seems too simple, right? Like, it seems like it should, no, I need to, I need to get a, a, a bachelor's degree in English so I can understand. Or I need to study the Hebrew language and the Greek language and Aramaic and all that stuff is good. How, understanding those things is, is good, but sometimes we can read something and go, man, I don't know what that means. God, help me out. And God will impart wisdom to us. He will give us things and understanding that we don't, understand where it came from other than God. I've read the Bible sometimes. I think, wow, I've read this passage a thousand times, and I never got that from this. God's Word is so amazing, and He can show us so much about us and our lives. So as we read Scripture, we must pray and say, God, what? even before, before we even open the Bible, God, show me what you have for me in your Word today. 
as you're going through it, take a break and say, God, what? continue to speak to me. God, I don't understand this. God, help me understand. God, it's so amazing that you're this way, that you're that way, that your word promises us this. God, I want to live out these things. And then when you're done, say, God, pray that God will seal these things in your heart. Pray that God will show you these things tomorrow, that you won't just forget everything you read. And most importantly, when it comes to reading the Word of God, studying it, meditating it, and praying about it, the last part is to apply it, to apply it to your life. The words on these pages will do you no good unless you apply them to your life, unless you live them out in faith. You read the Word of God and you say, I believe that's the Word of God and I believe it's true, so I'm going to do what it says. Because many of us, we want to read the Word of God and we want it to just magically transform us into this superhero of faith, but we don't want to walk out the front door and do what it says. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. For the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in this doing. You see, what James is talking about is recognizing the Word of God. When to do what the Word of God says, just as much as you'll recognize your own face. I think no matter how much you look in the mirror, you all know what you look like, right? The, I saw this thing on TV some years ago. It was, it was a study. It was... They t photographed the back of people's hands, hundreds of people. And they put the pictures of the backs of their hands on this wall. And one by one, they would come in and have to try to find the back of their hands. And you think, this isn't even your face, right? This is the back of your hand. And you think, man, there would definitely got to be somebody whose the back of the hand looks like mine, and I would mix it up. Every single, I think it was like 300 people, every single person correct, picked correctly the back of their own hand. Think about that. <laughs> Something that is seemingly so simple. I mean, I, I would think out of 300 people, there's at least got to be somebody whose hand looks kind of like mine. I'd be like, oh man, I don't know if it's that one or that one. <laughs> Something seemingly so simple, but we see it every day. We go, oh yeah, that's my hand for sure. The bones, the way they stick out, and the, the hair on the knuckles. That's my hand. That's my hand. But we should have familiarity with the Word of God so that when life happens, we go, oh, the Word of God said to do this. That's my, that, that's, that's my God. My God would tell me to live this way. My God would tell me to do this. The law of God says to live this way. James is talking about familiarity with the Word of God in conjunction with familiarity of your own face. That you can look at the situations of life and you can say, yeah, I know what the Word of God says about that. I can stand firm on His truth because I'm familiar with my sword. I know how to use my weapon that God has given me. 
Oswald Chambers says the vital re relationship which the Christian has to the Bible is not that he worships the letter, but that the Holy Spirit makes the words of the Bible spirit and life to him. You see, that's the difference. That's the difference for us is when we read this book and it becomes more than just words on a page. It becomes living and breathing, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Something so real to us, something that changes the way that we live our life, not because we're just way into the, to the whole story that it tells, but because we understand that this book is the source of knowledge to the Most High God who created you and I, and He created us and wants to know us, and He wants us to know Him, and that's why we have it. So we must read the Word. I just said it this morning. I'll say it again. Every Christian who's been saved for a long time will tell you a big part of that is because they were in the Word daily. We must be in the Word daily. Drawing closer to God through His Word. Gaining better knowledge and understanding of ourselves. And getting direction for our lives. This is our sword. Whether we like it or not, we're in a battlefield. When we, when we wake up in the morning, we wake up in the middle of a battlefield. And you either go out on the battlefield with or without your sword. Amen. Let's bow our heads.